How can we collaborate and really bridge those gaps to keep in mind that it's not about what we are self-serving as an entity need, but it's about the person we are serving and how can we collaborate to help that person. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to Learning Unboxed. Today, we are going to have a wonderful conversation about concepts tied to apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship that are happening in lots and lots of places across the U.S. and around the world. And joining us today uh, for this conversation, um, we have two wonderful guests coming to us from an organization or entity, which they will explain for us, called Apprentice Ohio. Um, And joining us is Rebecca DeMattis. And uh, Rebecca is the program administrator for Apprentice Ohio, and she's also also the executive secretary of the Ohio State Apprenticeship Council, and she is currently charged with overseeing all aspects of the registered apprenticeship program for the state of Ohio. So, Rebecca, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And joining Rebecca is um, BJ Knutson, who is the program delivery supervisor for Apprentice Ohio. And um, BJ, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having me. So I want to sort of dig in and get started with this idea, first and foremost, um, to set some context for our listeners who come to us from all over the world, um, and so may or may not necessarily be familiar with the entity Apprentice Ohio. So Rebecca, set the stage for us to make sure sure that our listeners sort of understand what is this thing and how does it function within sort of the bigger state ecosystem? Oh, goodness. So apprenticeship (laughs) is as old as the tale of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the state of Ohio became a state apprenticeship agency state um, given that title by the U.S. Department of Labor back in the 50s. Uh, So for the longest time, we're running along operating as just kind of the, the council office because every state apprenticeship agency state has to have a council. So from the 50s until about 2000-ish, 16, we finally got this name called Apprentice Ohio because they finally decided it was time to have a brand. (laughs) Um, So we are housed within the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services. Uh, That is where the council office is housed now. Apprentice Ohio. So I am the program administrator. We register all programs, make sure that every program is fully functioning within the uh, administrative code, making sure the regulations are met, making sure that they are quality. Um, We do all the compliance reviews. We run pre-apprenticeship programs, as well as many grants that the U.S. Department Mm -hmm. of Labor has so graciously been giving out since Mm -hmm. 2016. So we we just are thrilled to see the spotlight being turned on Apprentice Ohio and on apprenticeship in general across the entire state. For the longest time, it's gone from um, everybody thought of apprenticeship as your your typical construction street trades, right. which it right. has been tra- traditionally. For in the industrial area era, it went from you know building 
big buildings and shops and and machines. And it was quite dangerous to, in today's day and age, it can be anything from IT and healthcare to business services. Mm-hmm. And, and folks don't think about that. Right. They, they right. kind of look at you and go, really? Yeah. That, you can actually do that with a apprenticeship? Yeah, you can. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, hospitality services, culinary, there's so many different apprenticeships out there that you can have. So BJ is part of my team. I'm thrilled to have BJ as part of my team. Mm-hmm. I've actually known BJ for quite quite some time. Um, so when she was selected to be part of the team and, and was the highest passing score, I was just like, yeah, she's so cool. Great. <laughs> she's, she's a real go-getter. She's very passionate about what she does. And uh, I, I'm just happy to have her on the team. She's taking on our pre-apprenticeship projects. And she's kind of just taking it like a bull with the horns and yeah. wrestling up to the ground and making sure that everybody within the uh, education world and within our workforce services world is going to fully understand and, and implement our Absolutely. projects. Absolutely. So BJ, that's a perfect segue that Rebecca set up for you. So okay. let's let's dig in just a little bit and start with this concept of pre-apprenticeship. And then we're going to talk about apprenticeship and the bigger overarching ecosystem um, utilizing, you know, Ohio sort of as our example, obviously. But, but, but let's sort of talk about BJ, the the notion of this pre-apprenticeship and sort of the how and why as it relates to that tie back into the K-12 space. So just to sort of set some context for our listeners, so at PASS, we advocate apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship very, very much. We are a hands-on, very applied organization. Our listeners are, are very familiar with what we do and how we do it. And so it makes sense, I think, from that perspective for many folks to say, hey, these guys would be um, embracing and actually utilizing it. And we, we've had pre-apprentice uh, uh, participants in, in our office, um, actually several. Um, in fact, we just, we had one who just recently graduated, who is now, you know, full on, um, hired on because of the amazing experience they had with us for a year and a awesome. half. And I think those are one of those sort of big support winning stories, but lots of folks don't understand why pre-apprenticeship would be meaningful pathway or opportunity, if you will, in a K-12 space, especially when so many K-12s are still pushing right or wrong, a whole nother podcast conversation about, you know, let's let's track everybody into post-secondary in some capacity. And pre-apprenticeship opens the doors for lots of different experiences, no matter what that pathway or that journey from K-12 is going to look like for you. So why do this here? So I think one of the key words that you just said is experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is an opportunity for your... uh, We actually look at students who are typically around sophomore to junior, so around 16 years of age, Mm -hmm. up to 24 to register for a pre-apprenticeship. And of course, we want to designate what is a what is OSAC recognized and then what is an, just an apprenticeship. So we actually advocate for OSAC recognized pre-apprenticeship programs. And what that means is that they've developed that program through the state of Ohio. So, you know, there's many schools out there that are running great apprenticeship programs, but they do not have that OSAC stamp. Mm-hmm. And whenever they have that OSAC stamp, then we're able to work um, directly with DOE and help those students obtain a pathway toward graduation. So that makes sense 
for registered apprenticeship for them to come through OSAC, which is us, to mm-hmm. help them build what they call their operating plans. And just as Becky was um, earlier discussing all the different pathways that one can take with registered apprenticeship, you can also do that with pre-apprenticeship. And what we do with pre-apprenticeship in the state of Ohio is we actually look at clusters. And so anything from manufacturing to IT to healthcare to um, the skilled trades, so we're going to, those schools are going to build operating plans based on those industry clusters and what the needs are within their communities. So that school will work closely with us and closely with their community partners and determine what their workforce development needs are. Because, you know, it, whenever it comes down to it, we don't want to train students in a way that they're not going to be able to use. Exactly. You know, they're not going to be able to go out into their communities and and, and work. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we often, whenever we look at apprenticeship, we have to recognize that typically in education, there's three E's. There's employment, there's, you know, the education, and then there's enlistment after high school graduation. Mm-hmm. And so we have a higher percentage entering the workforce. Right. And this is an opportunity for skill for the schools to identify those students who are entering the workforce because that is not a bad pathway. That right. is very realistic mm-hmm. and something that most of those students are going to have to do. Right. In right. former fashion. And it's going to work with those community partners and determine, you know, those skill sets. And it's going to allow those students to explore several different industry clusters to determine the pathway that they want to take after they graduate we're able to identify employers who are hiring like yourself, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you were, you were able to bring on a pre-apprentice, allow them to experience probably several different occupational, you know, needs throughout your organization. And then you were able to bring them on full time. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's allowing the students to gain workable skills. You know, they're, oh, they're, absolutely, yeah. they're, mm-hmm. they're learning workplace etiquette, you know, what's expected of you. Do you show up? Right. Um, how you communicate with your with your staff and how you communicate with those who you're working with, how you how you interact with supervisors, you know, and I think that pre-apprenticeship is just setting somebody up for success. Yeah, I w- we would definitely a- agree with that. And I think that the other thing that's really a key component here that I want to make sure that our listeners understand, especially those listeners that are, you know, either in Ohio or in the U.S., because many states do this in a sort of similar fashion. And hopefully we, we see some similarities in other parts of the world. And, you know, I really encourage listeners to let us know if it's very different um, in your area, because I'd be really curious. We can all learn something from that. But, you know, the the partnership between the state and the K-12 schools and then the local employers or the businesses, because that's sort of where we come in, right? So because we have partnerships with our K-12 schools, and so it was through that school that reached out and said, hey, we've got some students that need an internship. That's often the call that I think businesses get when, when schools are trying to place students. And, you know, it's really a key an important distinction, I think, for a local business to be able to say, yes, we we would love to work with you and internships are great, but hey, what if we could do this as a pre-apprenticeship or that could then become an apprenticeship, which is exactly how we sort of crafted ours, because I don't necessarily think that the businesses always fully understand. And I am not convinced that the schools all 
always fully understand that they can have multiple sort of opportunities, even tied to the same experience with the same students. It can be crafted and recrafted a number of different ways to give that student credit experience opportunity in some creative ways. So Rebecca, talk to me a little bit about sort of that synergy from that sort of industry workforce side and the why, I guess, if you will, you know, as BJ was sort of explaining the K-12 component, but there, there's a there's a similar aspect from the industry side of this where there's that tangible benefit that comes back in. Help oh, us absolutely. understand that. And as you you could probably tell the whole entire time you're speaking, I'm like smiling and nodding because I get I get get so passionate about this part of it. One of the parts of our policy is that anybody that's creating a pre-apprenticeship plan whether it's for youth, whether it's for mm-hmm. adult, doesn't matter. You have to work with a registered apprenticeship sponsor. That is an absolute key. And right. the reason that's key is that sponsor knows what skills they need. That sponsor knows, and that's what we call the employer, right? The group right. of employers as a sponsor. Sorry to throw in just a, a little <laughs> bit of a, one of those terms that we toss around. But that's that that employer knows what they need. That employer right. is the one who's helping to design the curriculum for the the registered apprenticeship program. So to develop a pre-apprenticeship, you're developing those skills to be successful in the registered apprenticeship. So it makes perfect sense for that registered apprenticeship to be part of that pre-apprenticeship development and process and sign off and say, yes, this pre-apprenticeship plan is going to make this person successful and able to go into this registered apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, if this person is successful um, and if we have openings, it could potentially create a direct entry pathway into this registered apprenticeship program. And it's not just going to lay flat. They're not just going to get trained and then say, We'll see you later. Have fun yeah. trying to find a job. Yeah, what am I supposed to do with this now, right? Exactly. <laughs> so the, the industries are getting the training that they want and need, and they're customizing it mm-hmm. rather than searching for a diamond in the rough. Because diamonds in the rough, let's face it, don't necessarily always exist. They're, mm-hmm. That's why they call it diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. So why not train to retain? I like that. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And I, that is a really key thing. And I will say that, you know, it may, it may be different in, in really big entities, big businesses or industries, but, you know, for the small, local, family-owned um, businesses or organizations, nonprofits like we are, you know, there's this, there's a space, there is an opportunity for those smaller uh, companies and organizations to be able to participate in these programs. And I think that that's one of those things that a lot of times these companies don't realize. They, they believe that these programs are geared geared towards these big giant industries, large-scale manufacturing, automotive, you know, IT. And while all of those are absolutely true, that that's one of the things that I really like about this opportunity is that it it, it has multiple fits, I guess is yes. the way to put it, right? You know, yes. so let, let, I, I do want to talk just a little bit about that, BJ, because as you're working across this K-12 space for the pre-apprenticeship piece, I assume that there are some industries, some key industries where you're seeing a greater need or want, right, for a pre-apprenticeship program because the apprenticeship program opportunity on the flip side is so dire, It is. So one of our fastest growing registered apprenticeships that we're seeing is in healthcare. Yeah. And we're absolutely seeing that need for to fulfill some of those those occupations at the 
we call them ladder occupations mm-hmm. where you start at a you know at a beginning level and then you're building your career and and you can work up or stop wherever mm-hmm. you feel comfortable and so we do see ourselves working with we see many more opportunity within the healthcare field mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that's amazing we're also seeing great growth and opportunity in IT mm-hmm. um, you know and what what we also have to encourage here is that whenever you look at apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship Pre-apprenticeship is that opportunity whenever those students are engaging with those community partners and those employers to get feedback. And so that way they know um, what they need to work on, skills that they need to work on, or things that they're doing great and continue their growth and encouragement within that area. So this is truly a unique Mm -hmm. opportunity for maybe a student to start out as a medical assistant or an STNA and move up to the medical assistant Mm -hmm. and then from the medical move up to an LPN, from an LPN, move up to an RN. And we're seeing where healthcare providers are wanting to utilize that source as far as, you know, students being able to enter in high school level at an SCNA. Mm-hmm. And then once they're, you know, once they complete that, then they're, they're employed. Of course, the, the whole entire basis of registered apprenticeship is earn while you learn. Right. You know, these students are earning a wage. Mm-hmm. They're actually participating, you know, in creating their pathway. And so it's really exciting to see those occupations that you typically would not see in registered apprenticeship. You know, if we're talking back to the 50s where we had started, you know, with Ohio, as far as being considered, you know, you were looking at skilled trades. So right. now we're actually expanding, you know, into manufacturing, into mm-hmm. IT, into healthcare, into teaching. We're, we're looking at teaching. We're looking at hospitality. So those are all these great different occupational pathways that these students were are able to identify with and then engage in. Yeah, absolutely. And we've definitely seen that. So we've had, I'm going to stop and think, maybe maybe three or four over the last few years of students participate in one aspect or another, whether it be, you know, at the entry-level internship, you know, that then translates into a pre-apprenticeship that then translates into an apprenticeship with our with our school uh, partners. And, and I can say without question that, you know, the students that have actively engaged in the opportunity, and that is not just planning, but literally helping make decisions and determining sort of the breadth and depth of the experience that they're going to engage in, that has been incredibly meaningful, right? And the fact that they can earn and learn all at the same time, that's a win um, for our community with without any question whatsoever. And, you know, we, we have uh, one in particular who's with us. He's now transitioned, like I said, into to a job, but he's also college, just finished a community college and, and is getting ready to start at the four-year institution. And so we, we've been able to, to sort of journey with this young person, um, you know, at several different points of iteration. And it's been incredibly powerful for our organization as well. We have benefited as much from that experience with this, this individual as hopefully, you know, he has as well. And so that's really incredibly meaningful. Yeah, absolutely, Rebecca. So that leads me to this question because they're, you know, not all pre-apprenticeship or apprenticeship opportunities or experiences are the same, right? Um, Some are more successful than others. And so what what makes an outstanding pre-apprentice or apprenticeship program? What's the magic? What's the secret sauce? Because some could just be par for the course and others can be absolutely spectacular. And what's the differentiator there? 
I would think my personal experience, my personal experience is when you have the the right mixture of leaders, Mm -hmm. those that truly believe in what they're doing and aren't doing it, just checking a box. Um, They truly are engaged in, in who they're teaching and and wanting to see them succeed Mm -hmm. and wanting to, to say, wow, I actually helped contribute to, Mm -hmm. to this person's life and see how successful they have become. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's the combination of the leaders that you have creating the programs and not just creating a high level. You have to get down to those that are actually implementing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can have success and all the passion in the world at the top. But if you don't push that passion down to those that are implementing, you're going to fall short. Yeah, absolutely. So you truly need to have yeah. that passion really down um, at the at the level of the, of the implementation. And if you don't have the passion at the top where it's being created, then bring in those that are yeah. implementing. Bring yeah. those that have the passion that are wanting it up with you to help yeah. create it. Yeah. Because it's you, you like you said, it doesn't have to just stop. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to stop. It can be a complete pathway. Pre-apprenticeship can lead you into an occupation where, yes, you can get a registered apprenticeship completion certificate. You can earn some college credit, and that's wonderful. You can start working. You can have an amazing career, not just a job. I said a career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have. You can support your family. You can have benefits. Um, you can have your own home. You can be debt-free because mm-hmm. you don't have to pay off college right. debt. But you also don't have to stop there. You can continue. You can become even more if you have this foundation of a career and you think, oh, wow, I like even deeper into this career field. I think I could do even higher up and become X. It's, it's endless. It's just a stepping stone. Or it's an opportunity. Exactly. It, it absolutely is. And I also think that the, the other thing I would sort of throw out, you know, as part of this conversation is that. Um, these relationships go both directions. If you are willing to embrace how wonderful that can be, right? You know, and I think about my own staff and watching them over the years, like I said, we've had several, just that mentorship, right? And, you know, we learn as much from the students as hopefully we teach them. And that is probably the single greatest joy and I would argue, in, to some extent, the, the value add as to why we as an organization or as a company would choose to participate in this. You know, it, it takes time. It takes effort. But, you know, the, the benefit and the rewards go multiple directions. But I do think that, you know, to your point, that's because that's something that we've embraced. And so, BJ, you know, how do you as that sort of interface between the K-12 and some of the industry component pieces, how do you help the 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 industry folks, those businesses where these students are going to find themselves pre-apprenticing, how do you ensure that they are ready to actually make that experience a positive one? So the great thing about 
apprenticeship is it's voluntary. (laughs) You're not going to get people who want to participate in this program. And whenever I refer to people, both apprentices, pre-apprentices, employers, or Mm -hmm. sponsors participate in this program unless they have a need and they have a workforce development goal. With pre-apprenticeship, our pre-apprenticeship in the state of Ohio does not have to be a paid experience. Mm -hmm. It can be those students doing career days. It could be those students engaging with those employers and doing an on-site work visit. It could be those students doing job shadowing. Mm -hmm. So it's those employers truly investing with those pre-apprentices. And again, it just comes down to the simple basic of they want them there. And so whenever you want somebody there and you have a need for them to fulfill, then you're going to put effort into developing that person as, you know, as a potential Mm -hmm. employee, as participant, you know, somebody who's benefiting and somebody who is coming in and going to contribute to that, to that employer. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the same question as sort of a follow-up BJ is how do you prepare the students how do you know what? What is that? What does it look like other than hey, you want to go do this thing? There's got to be more to it than that, right? To ensure that you know the student is actually a ready to do whatever the opportunity is or take advantage of it, but also that they are socially and emotionally ready to say, I'm gonna step outside of my comfort zone. And that's one of the hardest things that we have seen for the students that have come is you know getting them to have enough confidence to recognize that hey, I can actually have a meaningful role in whatever this thing is. I'm not just, you know, sort of a, a minion doing X, right? That I actually have some 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 control over my destiny. But that's a tough thing. As, you know, teenage it's tough to be a teenager anyway, right? And so then we throw you into you know this very professional setting, whatever that happens to be, and it can be daunting. So what is that what's the care and feeding for the student piece of this? So that's a- that's a great question. And that actually comes within our operating plan. So our operating plan, we work very closely with our schools um, or, or with our areas that are developing that plan. And we identify classes that they need in order to, the students need in order to be successful and successfully transition over into that workplace. Okay. And so that may be a career readiness class. Mm-hmm. That may be, you know, communications courses. That may be anything that they need in order to have that success successful transition into the workforce. And what's really great about pre-apprenticeship is there are also evaluations. And the evaluations come from the student, the school, and the, the employer who's participating. And so those, those three entities are able to work together and say, you know, these are strengths or these are things that we need to work on. Mm-hmm. And then that student goes back and he's able, he or she is able to work on those on some of those areas that need to be developed. And so it's very much, there's very much a, a very strong relationship between the school, the student, and the sponsor or the employer that the student's participating with. And all of that is designed by the school. And of course, these are the apprenticeship, pre-apprenticeship program that the student ultimately enters is decided by them. And this is an interest that they have they've determined that they want to explore. This is not something that they're thrown into or that they're saying, you know, this is your only option in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually, what are your interests? Let's take a step back and evaluate what your goals are in life. And then that's where that school and that student work together to identify the correct pre-apprenticeship that they belong in. Excellent, excellent. So Rebecca, now for the really tough question in this conversation. So there is... 
there is an imaginary divide, I guess, if you will, between school and training and workforce or career. So how do you, there's a gap there, you know, and we, we hear this all the time. So post-secondary tells us there's a gap, um, you know, uh, business and industry tells us there's a gap. And even K-12 says, yes, you know, th- there, there's gaps, um, you know, from a whole variety uh, of perspectives. And so how, how do you recommend that we, we sort of change that dynamic or bridge the perceived gaps, real or imaginary, that are, that are there as it relates to student opportunity to, to gain confidence and experience and to choosing a future potential? Because that's the hard part, right? You know, we, we, we've got these kids floundering around and, and we say, hey, you, you have to choose a major or, hey, you have to choose a career right here, right now. And, you know, other than, you know, a basic generalized education, there's no experience. There is no experience on which they're basing some of these decisions. So how do we change yeah. that? Um, and you're right. You are absolutely right. Um, it, and it's, again, it's communication, but it's also, it's mentoring each other. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it could, it could be as simple as mentoring each other and, and having um, cohesive groups. I know I have partner groups between Department of Education, Department of um, Higher Education, and myself with Apprentice Ohio, where we come together and we discuss our registered apprenticeships and our pre-apprenticeships and how they work together um, and how um, even some of our own policies can be tweaked to, to, to better serve some of our other agencies or not just the agency, but, but the person that it's serving. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a conversation and it's a continuous conversation. And it's, it's always about not just what I need and what this person needs, what this person needs, but what can we do to help the person that we are serving? Right. I think that's ma- mainly what we need to keep in mind. How can we collaborate and really bridge those gaps to keep in mind that it's not about what we are self-serving as an entity need, but it's about the person we are serving Mm -hmm. and how can we collaborate to help that person. And it's really just, I honestly think it's as simple as that. It's, it's conversations and collaborations on a higher level where we can bring entities together, whether it's through um, roundtables, whether it's through local area workforce development board conversations, mm-hmm. it just takes someone to start them. Right. I, right. I really think that's where it's at. Yeah. What I, I'm, I'm also deeply curious as the whole world is sort of fingers crossed coming off of a massive disruption in the form of a you know, global pandemic. So what did that collective global experience teach us or inform as you move forward, right? So because the reality is, right, we sent a bazillion people home for X period of time, right? And now what we're seeing is some real strife for better and worse, right, in workforce as a result of a lot of folks having a moment to take a step back to think about what they want, to where their opportunity is, where they're going, what their family needs were. It's a very, very complex yet intriguing opportunity that's going to have profound impacts on the workforce of the future. So what, what, did, what did we learn? And I toss that out to either one of you, um, but, but what did we learn from this shared experience that you think is going to radically impact the way that you do your work at Apprentice Ohio? 
Um, I actually love that question. I love that question because I say that I've said it since the since the pandemic started to take the turn. Actually, for the worse, I've said that apprenticeship is going to be the key, one of the main keys to helping us turn and and get people back. Because so many people are going to say, you know what, I don't I don't want to go back mm-hmm. to doing this. I want to try something else, but I'm scared or mm-hmm. I don't have the skills. Well, apprenticeship. You don't have to have the skills. You can start at level zero right. and you can learn and learn your way up. Or you can say, you know what? I had, I used to do this a long time ago. I just have a little bit of an experience and that's okay. You can come in and we'll brush off those skills and we'll get you retrained and back to where you want to go. It's all in your hands. It is customizable and moldable. And I think apprenticeship truly is where, where it's at. And if you don't feel comfortable jumping straight into an apprenticeship, a pre-apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. our agency is working diligently on projects where we can expand the pre-apprenticeship opportunities statewide, where we can expand registered apprenticeship statewide, and not only expand, but also put it out there where it's it, where it's known, where we can have it at a click of a button, where you can go to our Apprentice Ohio website and say, you know what, I just, I want to find a program, or I want to find out information about this pre-apprenticeship, where can I go? Who can I talk to? Um, we're, we're working very hard on some major projects that are, are going to have some impact. Um, one of the projects we have right now is an ex- expansion grant where I'm like, okay, we've, we've created programs. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. We've done some excellent job creating programs. Mm-hmm. Now we need to take those programs, flip the narrative, and we need to help them recruit because yeah. they have such a need. And it's Okay. We've created the programs. Now let's do some some boots on the ground work and talk to these programs and say, you've created these programs. What are your recruitment needs? What openings do you have? Let's work with our local workforce partners. Let's put out some newsletters. Let's get our workforce development folks to help us recruit these individuals that are coming off of unemployment. Recruit these individuals that are trying to change careers. Because I really do think that can change and mm-hmm. change the narrative for Ohio mm-hmm. and, and flip the flip the switch even yeah. nationally. Yeah, no, and I I think you're absolutely dead right about that. And I think it's going to be a really, really intriguing thing to watch over the next 12, 18, 24 months. And I think it's going to probably go pretty quick, you know, as we start to see this journey that's happening. So BJ, with that in mind, then as you're thinking about the work, especially as it relates to the pre-apprenticeship and the relationship of pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship in K-12, what's the next big thing? What's what's the thing on the horizon that we haven't really stopped to contemplate, but that based on what you're seeing in the ecosystem, you know is coming? What what, what should K-12 be thinking about in this space? So what we've really, and this is a great segue into what we're currently doing in Ohio. And I think one of the biggest things that we've done since Becky has taken over with leadership is we've identified that we cannot be working in silos, that we have to work together, that we have to use those community partners, that we have to use our resources out in our communities and really connect Um, So, you know, that's us connecting with community colleges. That's us connecting with four-year traditional universities. That's us connecting with our CTEs. That's us connecting with our workforce development boards. And so that's kind of where our pre-apprenticeship is kind of kind of evolved to. And we recently, with this grant that we have, have launched um, what we call area hubs. And so this is a source that we're looking at for 
for our area workforce development agencies to be able to take hold of what their needs are, what their workforce needs are in their communities. And we have 20 of those areas within the state of Ohio. And we're going to be able to help them stand up what we call pre-apprenticeship hubs. And that's not only going to help them just as a workforce development board, but that's also going to allow them to connect with every school district in their area, every um, charter school, every interest group that for pre-apprenticeship and build one program. So those individuals have one resource to come to and be able to say, you know what, our school has a need for um, manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be able to help that workforce area to develop that program in manufacturing. It may have another school in a different area that comes to them and says, you know what, our need is IT. So mm-hmm. we're going to be able to help that area develop that program in IT. And I think that's really where we're heading as far as pre-apprenticeship, registered apprenticeship goes. It's just working together, working collaboratively, working cohesively mm-hmm. with one another and recognizing that you know, we cannot do this alone. We're we're a unit of eight ASPs, which are called area service providers in the state of Ohio. So we have eight individuals who service 88 counties. And, you know, we can't do that alone. So once we once we made that recognition that, you know what, let's pull in all these different groups that worked should be working together anyway. Yep. And let's work towards one goal. Then we're seeing our apprenticeship take even more stronghold and develop even quicker. Yeah, absolutely. That's fabulous. Love to hear that. So Rebecca, I always like to end the program recognizing that there are folks that are listening, they're sitting out there, they're like, oh my gosh, you know what Rebecca and BJ are talking about, what the state of Ohio is doing, that's spectacular, but I don't have anything that looks or feels like that in my own area. Or, or I do, but I have no idea how to tap into that. So what's that sort of final law, that recommendation for folks that are sitting there thinking, hey, I want to engage in this somehow, but I don't even know what to do. How do I get started? So if you're in Ohio, contact us. Um, you can find <laughs> our contact information at apprentice.ohio.gov. Yep. Um, if you're not in Ohio and you're in, a, in another state or um, another another country, contact your your, your labor forces, mm-hmm. your your um, labor workforce development boards, um, your Department of Labor, whatever whatever entity that might be. Um, find out where apprenticeship is housed and just do a little digging mm-hmm. and find out how you can get involved. Um, find out how you can develop a program. Find out how you can get into a program. Uh, but it's all going to start at, a, at that labor level and, and where is your apprenticeship uh, housed. Yeah, perfect and great advice. So ladies, I want to thank you both for taking time out of your day uh, to join us and have a conversation, sort of share with us um, you know, the best practices and things you've learned about the value of apprenticeship. And I, I for one, certainly want to tell you, thank you so much, um, You know, sort of at that state level and the work that you're doing, because we have seen the direct benefit and we have watched individual lives change. And we're super, super proud to have had the opportunity to be part of those kinds of journeys. And that's the story we need more of um, in our community. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. We just, we're standing on the shoulders of our of our previous um, leaders. So we're just continuing on to, to carry the flag and it's just, it's just gonna continue to grow from there. So thank you for having us and letting us share. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. 
I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.